0: Welcome back to The Lost. This time, we're going back to cover that one show with all the scramble matches. It's Unforgiven 2008. But first, we've got one, two, three current wrestling stories to talk about. Kuse, are you ready?
1: You goddamn right I'm ready. Let's go.
0: First off, Dwayne Johnson is so back. This man, after being very quiet all year and nursing his Black Adam-inflicted wounds, is suddenly everywhere. I saw more of that guy on my TV last week than I had in the previous year.
1: It's so funny how much we were making fun of him not so long ago for driving around in his truck and being like, well, Black Adam (laughs) actually made a profit overseas if you look at the black books. turns out If you look at
0: the second derivative of the infinitive, actually it was a big success. But it was
1: compared to all the movies that came after in DC, (laughs) which were the biggest bombs in the history (laughs) of
0: film. Yeah, yeah. Like for his gun and ask him how his ass tastes.
1: Yeah, literally, just like for him to have just broken even on Black Adam makes him a gigantic box office draw on his own, which is what we already knew. And so now he's come out of the wilderness invited by Dion sanders to the colorado game yeah. and then just happened to be an hour away from smackdown so he dropped in there too
0: yeah, it was funny how those dominoes kept falling for me because I'm like, oh, he's on McAfee show. Oh, shit, he's on SmackDown. And then I'm like, oh, it's because he was... At the Yeah, Deion Sanders invited him to the Colorado game. So I saw Deion Sanders doing a post-game speech to his team in which he had Dwayne Johnson standing behind him like Dion was Farouk in the nation circa 1997. And also Dion's mama was there because Dion was talking about how um, Colorado State's coach, you know, insulted his mama with what he said about him wearing sunglasses. And then they played Dion's song and everybody danced. We
1: could do an entire side podcast (laughs) just about the University of Colorado football team right now. (laughs)
0: Becoming like the University of Miami for 2023. Yeah. It took
1: three weeks to turn themselves into the University of Miami.
0: Literally, the hottest brand in sports right now is the Colorado Buffaloes. And if you want to know how. Not
1: If you want to know how to know it's the hottest brand, because The Rock made himself part of it, because yeah. that man smells what's cooking.
0: Yeah. With him, when he won't hang out with his cousin. Yep. Again, the fact he showed up at SmackDown and
1: very specifically did not interact with any member of the bloodline as per usual.
0: So which piece of this do we want to tackle first? Do we want to talk about his appearance on SmackDown or do we want to talk about the massive news he broke very casually on the McAfee show? All
1: right, let's do the SmackDown part first because there's not really all that much to it.
0: He showed up, he made Austin Theory look like a dickhead, like every legend does. Austin Theory has gotten his ass beat by every legend in the world at this point. Rock telling him to shut his bitch ass up was pretty hilarious.
1: Rock telling him to his face, I don't know who you are, even though he very clearly... (laughs) That's just a burial, man.
0: Man, this fucking guy, John Cena, didn't even bother to get a tan for the WrestleMania match, is how Lively thinks of him. That...
1: Literally, John Cena, who's put his entire heart into everything he's ever done in his entire life, half-assed that match so hard you could see it from space.
0: Oh, so yeah, it was fine. It was a big surprise. The pop he got was ridiculous. I love, do you see the video of him? Like like his little smile when he heard the pop was pretty endearing. He still got it.
1: The moment uh, backstage where he and C- when he and Cena like shake hands and the crowd goes really nuts cool. again.
0: God, I I mean like it's entirely plausible we'll see more of him. He has nothing to do right now. Hollywood's on strike and the strike don't seem to be ending anytime soon. So no reason he can't show up a few more times.
1: That's the thing. If the if the strike continues on into next year, April Russell starts Russell looking Russell real appealing. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Only way he's gonna get a payday. So let's talk about the earthquake he unleashed on the McAfee show. When that he no just one's casually dropped. It's insane. He just casually dropped that, oh, yeah, we, I had agreed to do WrestleMania last year, and it didn't happen, but he didn't really explain why it didn't happen, and McAfee didn't really follow up on it because he's a stooge. And, uh... Yeah, not really. Like, not really being heavily covered. I guess the Observer last week couldn't cover it because the that news would that was news made on Friday. So the Observer had come out already. I have not heard like I have, I don't really listen to like Wrestling Observer live, so I don't know if like Meltzer has talked about it. But this was a gigantic story that the entire wrestling media missed. And yeah, not the follow up that I would expect on this. Like, why the hell didn't he do WrestleMania if him and Vince and Nick Khan had, like, shook hands on it and locked it in. Was it the merger? Was it because Vince had to retire? Was it, you know, they couldn't come up with the money because of the merger? Were there? He kind of alluded to creative differences, but I don't know if I really buy that that was why.
1: What it really... I would have to imagine that the things that changed the most during the course of the last year were Triple H basically taking over booking and Cody Rhodes coming in and becoming massively over. Which, if you're talking about like creative differences, not needing The Rock anymore for that main event, and so you don't have to pay him a shitload, is probably a smart plan.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple of things here. Like Very specifically, he said it was a meeting with... Um, Vince and Nick Khan, which means it would be, you know, pre summer 2022 when all the stuff came out about Vince, he had to step down. So we're talking, they probably talked sometime in early 22. A lot of stuff changed after that. Like, yeah, Vince had to go away. Triple H took over creative. And more importantly, I think what my guess on what scuttled it was probably the merger because they had to keep costs down as part of the merger and they couldn't, afford to pay Dwayne, you know, the $10 million or whatever payday he was probably looking for. So that's kind of my guess on what stopped it. Now at the Mergers final, uh, they can shell out that cash if they can convince Endeavor to do it. Rock alluded to the possibility of wrestling in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia this year, and, you know, that's a pretty nice story you got there, Cody, but it would be a shame if somebody else got to finish it. I feel
1: like for four years now you and i have been talking about like yeah night one you haven't faced the rock and he fucking yeah. beats him and night two he faces cody and he loses it's fucking obvious yeah. just do it
0: yeah like it's something they've got to take advantage of with the two night wrestlemania is a great opportunity to tell a story across the two nights like right. do like a little mini tournament and unify the belts or something like you know, when Roman has two belts, it would be easy enough to make him defend both of them over the course of the two nights. I I guess the other thing that would make sense to do, like, once Roman is going to be the champ anymore, you should really get rid of the world heavyweight title that Seth Rollins has. So yeah. should probably do a little unification tournament across the two nights.
1: Yeah, like... uh cody has to win the rumble to get a match with roman but then he gets screwed out of it so then he's got to win the world title and they have a something like listen there's a million ways you can get to it everyone in the world knows that you have to get to cody roman and but if you have rock you have to get to rock roman but that doesn't have to be complicated just make the most money you can make roman can wrestle two okay. matches and then take six months off who cares
0: Anything else on Rock? I'm sure we'll be revisiting this. I just think that it's really
1: interesting. There's no real reason to think this, but in the back of my mind for all of this stuff, the idea that we know that The Rock and Triple H don't particularly like each other just keeps popping into my head. And so, like, while I understand that it's almost certainly the case that like it was the merger that scuttled it, or Rock didn't want to be like in the same company as like the Vince McMahon allegations and all of that shit. Just in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't think Triple H wants rock here.
0: You <laughs> wonder, don't you? Oh, well, maybe one of them could go into all lead wrestling instead, because God knows they could use the help. A lot of really the one you know, we're really in the first couple of bad news cycles AEW's ever had here. Just, you know, I'm like a Ron DeSantis funk right now. First. Obviously, we have a CM Punk situation where there's not really updates on that. Um, he did a public appearance. He did commentary on a show that was on UFC Fast, which is owned by Endeavor, also owns WWE. Oh, Weird. shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. he. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, he's, a, he does commentary on this promotion shows regularly. So it's not a new thing. Um, He alluded to being busy for the next two months, which feels like a cheeky reference to, like, the fact that Survivor Chicago is two months away. Anyway, first headline is that the legitimate attendance number for All In seems to only be 71,000. That's based on a Freedom of Information Act request that WrestleTix, um, or uh, WrestleNomics, made to I don't know, city of London, the stadium, whatever, they got the turnstile count. How many people actually got their tickets scanned and went into the Wembley Stadium for all in? And it was 71 or 72,000. It's way lower than the 81,000 that was announced at the show. AEW is claiming they did, in fact, sell 81,000 tickets. And that that lower attendance number is because of people who... Bought tickets but didn't show up, who I assume are scalpers who were unable to unload their tickets.
1: I mean, 10,000 of those people seems like a lot. Like, I'm sure there was a high scalping portion, but uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, who knows? I mean, look, this is the wrong thing to get hung up on because 71,000 is still a massive success and still like, I don't know, the fourth biggest attended show in wrestling history or something like that.
1: Yeah, and, and let's be clear, we don't necessarily have like the precise ticket accounts from those other shows that claimed it too, but we yeah. can reasonably assume that they were probably higher. Even got, so I mean
0: we did get the we did get the turnstile number from WrestleMania thirty two. That's yes. where the eighty eighty one thousand whatever number came from.
1: So that might very well but be we the actual We have no record. idea.
0: <laughs> WrestleMania three and SummerSlam ninety two, we have no idea what the real numbers are.
1: And they probably don't either. They probably never did at the time. It just wasn't something you measured like that. But it was a huge success. We don't need to drag on that. The problem is that then comes the pay-per-view, which does terrible buys, and the attendances are bad, and the ratings are bad.
0: We're recording this Tuesday night, so Grand Slam is tomorrow. It'll have happened by the time Um, we drop this show on Friday. Grand Slam only has last I saw like 6,000 tickets sold last year they did 10 and in 2021 the first time they ran Arthur Ashe, they did over 20,000 it was like 22,000 in the building or something crazy like that uh Dynamite last week in Cincinnati drew less than 3,000 people I was looking at advances and you can barely find a show where they have more than thousand tickets sold in the next two months it's Rough. I think, you know, for Revolution or um, Full Gear is at the forum this November, and I think they've sold 5,000 tickets so far, which is so like before, for a while, their pay per views were just instant sellouts. The tickets would all sell the day they went on sale, no more. Um, you know, they're just in a little bit of a cold streak. They've lost a lot of their top stars, that screwed up a lot of their creative plans. It doesn't really matter financially because the vast majority of their money comes from TV deals and pay per view is second. Like Live Gates are by far the number three thing as a revenue stream for this company.
1: But realistically, money has never been the thing that this company hinged on because obviously they have much more money backing them than most other promotions ever have. A big part of the problem is that momentum is really the thing that AEW yeah. has as its stock and trade. Whether or not fans are genuinely interested in them, whether they're stealing eyes away from WWE, that's how you measure the health of this wrestling promotion. And right now, it doesn't look overly healthy. That's because a lot of unfortunate things have happened in a row. It's not all their fault. But they are gonna have to like it's way, way, way harder to build momentum from scratch when you have none than it is to just keep shuffling it forward onto the next thing. And now they pretty much have none.
0: Yeah. their TV ratings are fine. Their pay-per-view numbers continue to be pretty good. I think all in sounds like did something like 180,000. It's their second biggest pay-per-view ever. Um, all out didn't do a particularly good number. I think it. I don't think it cleared 100,000, but yeah.
1: It didn't Paper really have a main event. In a
0: row. No, views two weekends in a row really wasn't a great idea anyway. I mean, they still grossed a buttload of money over the course of those two weeks between the giant live gate from all out, all in and the big pay-per-view number. And then it was just kind of all in, all out this year was just a bonus paper. per It was an extra pay-per-view. Um, the real purpose of the thing that matters for their attendance is they need to make these shows look good on tv and right now they don't because the arenas are pitch black and they're having to shoot super tight to avoid showing all the mpc so i think it the answer might be just do whatever you can to get more people in the building you know give away slash your ticket prices down kids go free you know maybe Run, run smaller arenas. I know that doesn't look as good on TV, but it can be a great, you know, small buildings can be an incredible atmosphere when they're full and they're rowdy. And
1: this all kind of caught them right in the middle of when they're trying to do some expansion. So they're doing a lot of markets, not necessarily Cincinnati and New York, that they hadn't done before when they were like going out to like Washington and Canada. And like those yeah, weren't really drawing. That
0: Canada, Canada tour was a debacle.
1: But when they decided to do it several months before, they were hot as hell. So, of course, they would think that that was the time to strike while the iron was hot. It's not their fault. Yeah.
0: You know, um, you know, another little thing they don't do, dark match main events.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, might sell a few extra tickets if you could promote to the live crowd that MJF was going to be defending the title. Yes, these sick perverts want to see him wrestle every week.
1: Yeah, I'll wrestle, but I won't I refuse to let it be publicized. And you can even do yeah. promos online about that. Like, yeah, I'm defending my belt tonight, but not in front of you assholes in Indiana or whatever. Only live.
0: And finally, we have like a mini round on free agency news, because there's a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Um first, uh Elias is maybe gone from WWE, but maybe not. The reporting here is kind of weird. What what do you going on here. Do you have any idea? I think
1: that his contract has expired, and we don't know if he's re-signed or not. Uh, yeah. It's unclear. Okay. Like They removed him from the website. Like All the t- typical signs that he is leaving, but no one said anything. Uh,
0: Jade Cargill appears to have signed with WWE. That is Great one move. of the
1: greatest fits ever. She will main event to WrestleMania within two years, no question. She and- was... Born to wrestle like Charlotte. Born to. She's
0: so, and she's such a better fit for WWE than she is for AEW. Like She's done AEW, but you're just not going to really get over an AEW if you can't have great matches. She's not experienced enough to do that. She's so much better off in WWE. This is one where I wish AEW and WWE could do trades, because like Jade Cargill for Asuka would be a perfect trade that would work out great forever.
1: See? funnily enough WWE had jade cargill before the only reason she had ever shit, gone to AEW, yeah she was in developmental uh it was very brief but she was like all right here are my conditions because like i have a daughter and like a modeling career like i'm not gonna jeopardize all of my shit for you and they basically told her to go fuck herself that's why she wow. went to AEW. <laughs>
0: I mean, we're probably like, we've got a couple there, We only need one black woman. Like, honestly, the way that some management in that company works, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: It's just funny because she basically has the Cody Rhodes story where she's like, all right, well, I'll go build myself then. And then you'll be begging for me to come here
0: <laughs> now. Who knows how much they're paying her, but I bet a lot.
1: I'll just be so excited when she and Cody both main event WWE pay-per-views. And it's like, yep.
0: God, can we please redo that Brandy promo on her? Yeah. <laughs> Who told you this was a night, bitch? <laughs> um, Edge is uh, rumored to be heading to AEW. This makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah, while I don't really have that much interest in Edge and WWE anymore, because there's just not really anything left for him to do, and he doesn't have a ton left in the tank, there's just so many interesting things for him to do in AEW, from I mean, Christian's the obvious one, because Christian's the hottest heel on the planet Earth right now. But also, like, Edge has never worked with anyone in that company ever.
0: Yeah, I feel like you just slap him to the CM Punk role as the face of Collision.
1: Like, a match with MJF seems obvious. I mean, yeah. uh, Jay White Switch sounds Blade, great. Jay
0: White, yeah. Him and, like, Jay White looks like his evil young brother.
1: Oh, God, that's so good. Um, it, he's just a, a perfect for one of those we all grew up loving and watching you but fuck you we're gonna kill you now kind of things like he's perfect for that and then at some point you gotta get one last match out of him and Christian teaming up and then they can both retire oh, of
0: course, yeah, him and Christian against FTR against the box there's a lot of good stuff you can do there
1: it's just so funny that Christian has like resuscitated his career and gotten white hot just in time for Edge to join him
0: <laughs> <laughs> and like the fact that Christian is the slimiest dad on the planet right now really does complicate things
1: that's the thing yeah he's as far onto the heel spectrum as it's physically possible to get and no one is ever going to boo edge again so
0: interesting to see how they handle that and finally LA Knight's contract demands are reported or his negotiations are reportedly in an impasse as WWE is refusing to meet his salary demands my god does the LA night going to AEW right now excite me. Like it is, that's the jolt they need.
1: This is so funny to me because like again, if they had locked him down a year ago, they could have paid him like a hundred grand and told him to shut the fuck up but now that he's the hottest thing in all of wrestling yeah, it really does seem like they're just trying to wait him out until the cheers stop. It's just like alright, we'll we're not going to do anything definitive with you until like, and then eventually everyone will just stop caring and we can just sign you to so, a lower deal.
0: In sports, we always talk about guys having a contract year where, you know, some NBA player only has their points per game jump like five points, um, you know, as their contracts coming up. I don't know if I've ever seen this in wrestling where somebody got this hot right as their contract was about to expire.
1: It's so funny because, and the equivalent is like, this is like a 28 year old running back, and you're like, yeah. this is an old man. Should we really be giving him a big money? One more
0: contract. Yeah. But Can you really afford to let him walk?
1: But that's the thing. Yeah. Like, maybe LA Knight's not going to change the direction of the wrestling war, but he is really hot just to hand to your competition, you know? He's
0: so, so much more valuable for AEW than he is for WWE. And the reason this never happens in wrestling is. You don't usually book a guy if their contract is coming up and they won't re-sign. You usually bury them.
1: The wild thing is WWE has come up against this a couple of times in recent years, most notably with Drew McIntyre recently, where they were booking him as dominant right up until the very moment where they were negotiating where he may have jumped. They did the same thing with Malachi Black and they lost him. Yeah.
0: Well, Malachi Black is bizarre because they just released him.
1: Yeah, that's totally different. You're right. Like Book him as like this dominant incoming force and then let him go straight to your competition.
0: All right. We'll have you know plenty more updates on this because I think it's going to be a busy uh, fall as far as sign-ins and movement.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Um, move on to Unforgiven 2008. Um, we're coming off SummerSlam 08, in which The Undertaker beat Edge in a Hell in a Cell match. CM Punk retained the World Heavyweight Championship over JBL. Triple H retained the WWE Championship over the Great Khali. And Batista beat John Cena in a dream match. And also Chris Jericho punched Shawn Michaels' wife in the face. That was an eventful night.
1: What an eventful night. Especially throwing away Batista versus John Cena at some nothing bullshit summer (laughs) pay-per-view.
0: You're like not just a WrestleMania main event, but a big one rock and Austin for that generation. And they did it on three weeks build at SummerSlam.
1: As we've noted, they did the same thing with Cena and Roman Reigns at No Mercy in like whatever year that was.
0: Is why John Cena never had a big WrestleMania match after, I don't know, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 23.
1: Because they'd always hot shot his they get scared in the yeah. middle of the summer the be like, rock, oh, no. Obviously,
0: the, the two, he had the two Rock matches. But the, right. reason, the thing was, they couldn't hotshot those because Rock just wasn't available and wouldn't have done a match against him anywhere other than WrestleMania. But yeah, with all of his other good feuds, they would just hotshot it with some random pay-per-view.
1: And then it would come to WrestleMania and be like, oh, shit, we got nothing for you. How about Randy Orton again? The triple threat match,
0: maybe. What if you and Nikki teamed up?
1: What about Big Show? Oh, here's a mid-card heel. Let's have you face it.
0: Big Show? <laughs> um, so to kind of establish where we are, we've got the roster split going at this point, and I think this is actually one of the better, this is one of the periods where I feel like the rosters are relatively balanced. Um, so they really leveled up SmackDown because it's moved uh, to my network, or it's in the process of moving to my network TV. So for the new TV part, really want to make SmackDown matter. So they moved Triple H over to SmackDown, and he brought the WWE title with him. So Raw has the World Heavyweight Champion CM Punk, John Cena, who's injured, Randy Orton, who's injured, Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, JBL, Kane, Batista, and Rey Mysterio. SmackDown has the WWE Champion Triple H, uh, Jeff Hardy, Edge, who's injured, The Undertaker, The Big Show, and MVP. I'd say Raw is still probably stronger on star power, but I find SmackDown has a really intriguing group of guys at this point.
1: Just budding Triple H on SmackDown can't be underrated because it's such a huge deal, not just because of the credibility it gives that show, because somebody that, of that size, I mean, we never thought he would go there ever. No. But also because like he's such a solid main event force for anybody else to feud with. So like guys who are coming up like Jeff and uh whoever else, like it, it's really an awesome opportunity for them to get to wrestle somebody who's actually capable of moving them up. Uh
0: so the way the, the infamous matches, the way they came together, raw general Manager. Adam Lee I guess here I first have to stop and explain who the fuck Mike Adam Lee is yes I please have to anytime he shows up on one of these shows I have to do the Mike Adam Lee explanation Mike Adam Lee was a great football player um who's an all-american running back at Northwestern like a long time like back in the 50s and then he played in the NFL for a while, played for the Chiefs, and I think for the Bears. And he played with Dick for the Bears. He became, after he retired, he became a Chicago media personality, a sportscaster. I think he was a sideline reporter for both NFL and college football games. Um, he was a sideline reporter for the XFL, I believe, which is the beginning of how he ended up in wwe but i think most prominently he was the host of american gladiators is what people might remember him for i haven't There weirdly weirdly there were two american gladiators documentaries that came out this year and i haven't watched either of them yet but i would imagine he's in uh, well he's not, I would- he wouldn't be interviewed but i'm sure that footage i think he may have passed away now actually
1: And I want to be clear about this because of how much we're going to shit on him and everyone else does, too. He was really good as the host of American Gladiators. He had credibility as a former athlete. He was a really good and exuberant host. He was sort of like exactly the kind of host Vince McMahon always wanted. He just had major Todd Pettenkill vibes, but credibility.
0: Yeah. So he is still alive. He's struggling with dementia. He... Like, it seems like he probably has CTE. Um, you know, he played football back when they didn't have face masks. And guys were allowed to clothesline you and hitch. I, you know, I'm sure he has a lot of damage from that. But, yeah, he was really good, it seems, at, you know, reading a teleprompter. He looked great on TV. He had credibility. So they brought him in as a broadcaster. He was not good at speaking in front of a live crowd. He would constantly stumble over his words, you know, Infamously, he called Jeff Hardy Jeff Harvey. They tried it like a host, as an interviewer. Uh, they made him the play-by-play announcer for ECW, which we, he was really bad at. And then, at this point, they've made him the general manager of Raw, just to tr- to tr- trying to find a role for him, trying to find something he can do. And he didn't really excel in this role either i don't know if this is what they're going for but man watching him how much does he remind you of steve carell from the office like he looks like him he dresses like him he talks like him
1: oh he seems exactly like that and he seems equally like not in on the joke which yeah I still think that it's super mean the way that we all as a community treated this man. What's like, who, why is it his fault that he doesn't know these wrestlers names? He was given like one week of prep before he was thrown out on screen. He's never heard of Jeff Hardy before. Like, of course he's having trouble speaking, but they just keep exposing him again and again. They just refuse to like do anything that may play to his strengths. And now they've just decided to lean into him as a joke. (laughs)
0: I don't know if there's a good role for it. Probably the best thing you could have done with him, maybe like pitch man, like command center, cause it would be taped and he could just kind of read copy. Maybe like, you know, invest, you know, investigative journalists, like having him do packages and that kind of narrate promo packages and kind of do like in-depth profiles. I, Yeah, the best answer is probably just you shouldn't have brought him in. It didn't work out. They end up letting him go not long after this. So World General Manager Mike Ademley announced on the August 18th Raw that the World Heavyweight Championship would be defended in the first ever scramble match. In this match, five wrestlers would compete in a 20-minute match. The last wrestler to score a fall would be the champion. He didn't do a particularly good job of explaining this, and I think they may have changed their mind about what the rules would be over the course of this, because at first they didn't say anything about the entrance being staggered the way they were in the match.
1: This seems like an idea that somebody had in a writer's meeting, and Vince was just like, yeah, a scramble. That makes sense. Everyone mixing it all up. Anybody can be the champion. And then they get like closer to the event, and they're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense at all. This is going to be just the hardcore time limit battle royal from WrestleMania 16 that everyone hated.
0: Do you think it made sense to stagger the entrances? I think that's probably good, just because it adds kind of a Royal Rumble ish element of a new match cards, and we don't know who's going to come in next, and there's some anticipation. I think just watching all five guys wrestle each other for 20 minutes would have been rather boring. Also, an odd like it's tough to work with five guys because you just you have to knock somebody out, and then two guys can pair off. I guess.
1: I inherently feel like. Anytime that you have more than four people in a ring at the same time, it gets boring really quickly just because you can't do shit. It's just a big pile of bodies and nothing's fun. I also feel like if you're going to have a match with this many people in it and it's a world title matches, I don't think 20 minutes is enough. Like this is why matches like this should be elimination style only because like then you get some sort of climax at the end. And there's a reason to explain why the match needs to go like 45 minutes. I would have staggered entries, it go for like 45 minutes, fuck the time limit, that's stupid. And it'd just be yeah, like, I mean, whoever leaves this is the champion.
0: And the problem I always have with Iron Man matches, or any kind of derivative of that, is why do we care about anything before the last two minutes?
1: Exactly. You know,
0: we can just zone out for the first, you know, this match doesn't really start until the final guy enters with five minutes left. Nothing before that matters doesn't matter who won the title in between. So they announced that Raw's match would feature CM Punk defending against Kane, JBL, Batista, and John Cena. But Cena would be pulled out of the match because of a neck injury and replaced by Rey Mysterio. That's an interesting lineup of guys.
1: If Cena had stayed in that, that may... It been the most devastatingly there's no way the champion's actually going to retain the title match in the history of wrestling
0: CM Punk you wouldn't even think there's it no way Kane. CM Punk's
1: keeping that shit
0: no. I For mean he had beaten JBL clean yeah that's the one win he got while he was champion they're not yeah. just doing one scramble match they're doing three we've also got an ECW one and a Smackdown one Let's just save talking about who's in those for when we get to them.
1: I will say that I think what happened was they had one really good storyline idea for a Scramble match I don't know whether that was or We're
0: also gonna get Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match. Um, that'll be the high spoiler, that's gonna be the highlight of the show for me at least.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho is the highlight of any show that it's a part of. But especially during this year where they're having maybe the greatest storyline in company history.
0: (laughs) Man, the promo they do where they sign the contract where they both say they're not going to be letting their families watch Unforgiven because they don't want their families to see the violence they inflict on each other. Sean ends the segment with one of the greatest promo lines in wrestling history. As he tells Jericho, he would never forgive Jericho for what he did to his wife. And he only hoped that someday God would forgive Sean for what he did to Jericho and unforgiven. Oh boy. That's how you sell pay-per-views.
1: Shawn Michaels has not had all that many money promos in his career. If you really think about it, um, Especially once he comes back as Jesus, Sean, and it feels like he feels uncomfortable being, like, even mean to other people. But this is such a great example of what you can do with that character, because you know he's all Jesus-y and stuff. But, like, when it comes right down to it, like, he's literally, like, sad in his eyes, because he's like, I have to kill you, and I'm going to hell for it, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: The, The Old Testament vengeful God. It's so good. And we've never seen Shawn like.
1: Can you think of any time you've ever seen Shawn Michaels actually mad? Except at Vader that one time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rare.
1: So, like, it's just such a special side of him we
0: never get to see. Yeah, this, uh, this feud, we've put it over before. But, yeah, absolutely one of the greatest in company history. And it feels like it kind of just happened by accident. It literally just feels like this was meant
1: to be a Batista-Michaels feud, and Jericho just shoved his way into it.
0: And, I don't know, I love the Batista-Michaels stuff, but there's just something special about Sean and Jericho. Because they just, they're perfect to absolutely hate each other, that Jericho, you know, views himself as he wants be sean Michaels, but then he met his hero and he didn't like you know what he saw and sean just views jericho as a bootleg knockoff sean michaels it's just perfect that these guys would absolutely hate each other
1: and as humble as sean michaels is now every time he comes across someone he views as like a sean michaels knockoff he gets that old arrogance back he's like you couldn't carry my jock boy (laughs)
0: The other thing that happened on that Raw was Randy Orton returned. We hadn't seen him in a few months. He hurt his shoulder in a match with Triple H at Extreme Rules back earlier in the summer. And then he had a motorcycle accident where he kind of re-injured himself.
1: Is that shoulder injury the one where he was just punching the mat so hard for the RKO? Or is that a different
0: one? No, that was a different time. This time, this was a bad bump. He went to RKO Triple H, and Triple H threw him over the top rope. And he landed on his shoulder and broke his collarbone. It's a very stupid... Yeah, that is uncharacteristic for Randy Orton to take a bump like that. He's normally pretty protective of himself. But he came out and complained about how all the champions on Raw suck. And Punk came out and fired back at him. Later in the night, Orton slapped Cody Rhodes and told him and DiBiase that... They needed to get their act together because they were an insult to, you know, legacy wrestlers.
1: Now, see, this is interesting because I don't think any of us saw the legacy coming necessarily. But this is a genius thing for Orton to be doing here. Yeah. And, like, Rhodes and DiBiase have absolutely no direction at this point aside from being young dickheads. So, like, putting them with Orton is also genius.
0: All right. Before we get into the show... Are you ready for a 2008 PG-era lightning round?
1: I feel like this lightning round won't be super PG, despite being PG-era. But hell yeah, let's go. It
0: sure won't. (laughs) The legendary Killer Kowalski passed away at the age of 81. Rest in peace to the legend, trainer of Triple H.
1: It's so funny that he's done so much in his career, and yet the thing he will be remembered for is Triple H.
0: That is the biggest legacy, I'd say. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a Killer Kowalski match. His stuff just kind of happened before much of wrestling history was recorded.
1: Oh, yeah. His stuff happened during the time where really we only have footage of like Gorgeous George and nobody else. So.
0: Mick Foley left WWE and signed with T.A. He really didn't like Vince yelling at him in the headset on commentary.
1: He leaves genuinely because he doesn't like being told what to do on commentary, even though he even admitted that, like, Vince wasn't nearly as mean to him as he was to, like, Michael Cole and Josh Matthews and them. Um, He takes this spite to TNA where he will have an absolutely horrifyingly bad run, including winning the world title in a match that no one wanted to see, becoming the leader of the front line of new wrestlers.
0: It's wretched. We gotta write some, that sometime.
1: And writing the book Countdown to Lockdown, which is maybe the most embarrassingly sad piece of work I've ever read.
0: Worse than the one about the Molina
1: storyline? No, Hardcore Diaries is worse. Countdown yeah. to Lockdown is more like I recognize that my time has come and I should never have come here. <laughs> Fuck.
0: <laughs> oh, Randy Savage was excluded from WWE's Legends of WrestleMania video game. And- and unforgivable, we just don't know what it was.
1: And like a few years from this, he'll just inexplicably be back in the good graces as if nothing ever happened. I he assume won't. He's be-
0: been a few years after this,
1: no, I, no, no, no I, he's not, not literally, but like he'll be inducted into the hall of fame. And now they oh, just pretend yeah. like that shit never happened. After he
0: died, yeah, yeah, so it like very personal that they didn't induct him while he was alive.
1: Oh, yeah. To the point where, like, I'm amazed that Lanny and everybody actually showed up to induct him. Like, I would have been fucking pissed for the rest of my life that they waited until he was dead.
0: The Gwinnett Daily Post did a story on Tony Schiavone, who said he was happy to be out of the wrestling business and that baseball was his true love. Stooge.
1: I distinctly remember reading that and being like, you know what? Good for him. This business was never good to him. No one would liked him. Everyone treated him like shit. I'm happy that he's off somewhere doing something else. Little did I know that 10 years later he would magically reappear and we'd all love him.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad he's had this second run with TNA or with AEW. God, I cannot stop calling AEW TNA.
1: God, that's so unfortunate. Please stop that. Stop. I mean, it, it cannot go the way that T, that TNA went. It, it just can't.
0: MVP got heat for comments made to a drug testing technician who he asked if when he went to college he was hoping to spend his days looking at dudes' dicks.
1: I mean, that's a homophobic comment, but like, I've always appreciated that MVP just says whatever the fuck MVP wants to say. <laughs>
0: MVP was buried under the doghouse at this point. I think it's right around the time he went on like a 25-match losing streak on TV. The funny thing about him, too,
1: is that like he's so unbelievably talented that even when they try to bury him, he'd just get over. Because the only thing they ever the only thing that ever buried him was not being on television.
0: Randy Orton did Harried Bubba Dudley in an interview for being fat, sloppy, and dangerous in the ring. This was hilarious.
1: So this was the beginning of what I like to call like Randy Orton's apology tour, where he suddenly starts being awesome in every interview that he did for the rest of his career after being such a dickhead when he was young. But I can't <laughs> think of it. I can't think of anything that he said on the record for years now that I wasn't like, "That's fucking cool. Good job, Randy."
0: Ted DiBiase was rumored to be under consideration to end The Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak. Holy shit, they were in the bag for Ted DiBiase. Whoa! Can you imagine how awful that would have been?
1: I mean, I can, if he had actually ever gotten over, I can understand it being like, you haunted my dad. He's who made you what you were, you son of a bitch. Now I'm going to take you, blah, blah, blah. And then Undertaker beats him in 30 seconds because he's Ted DiBiase Jr.
0: I am so proud to say I was always a Cody guy. Like, everybody was on Tad's nuts at this point. And I was like, now Cody's way better. Cody's the one who's going to be the star. I mean,
1: Ted's got the look. Like, we're not going to yeah. argue that he didn't. But that's literally all he had. Boring as shit. If Cody wasn't walking around looking like a fucking praying mantis, he would have had the look. But Cody does not have the look right here. Yeah.
0: JBL started promoting a drink called Drank that sounds like a legal version of Purple Drank.
1: <laughs> JBL trying to stay on top of the trends and giving the people what they want.
0: God, how many cases of this did he sell to Jamarcus Russell alone? I sw-
1: The funny thing is the idea of fucking JBL selling this, of all people. <laughs> Cultural appropriation, it's real. It's all about money, baby. He went to a barbecue at Ron Simmons's house and was like, God damn.
0: Kurt Angle was not guilty in a bench trial for a DUI charge. They couldn't prove that he was actually drunk. Someone just suddenly erratically. And when police went to his house later that night, he failed the breathalyzer. I did not realize that police
1: could just show up to your house and be like, "Hey, somebody said you were driving erratically. <laughs> yeah. Take this breathalyzer now."
0: Hours I don't later, I think they can if you're not actively driving. Like if you, re- it depends on the state, but like in the state I live in, if you refuse a roadside breathalyzer, you forfeit your driver's license.
1: Right, but just the idea that someone can be like, "Hey, kind police, Kurt Angle drives like an asshole. Go get him." <laughs>
0: Lance Storm said in a radio interview that it was planned for the WCW guys to interfere in the Vince versus Shane match at WrestleMania 17, but Vince called it off because Sean Stasiak did a radio interview saying he was going to be part of WrestleMania.
1: Now, normally I would say that that's bullshit, but Lance Storm's not really the Lance kind Storm. of guy who makes He's shit up. Kind of,
0: yeah, like, I, Lance Storm I think is one of the few credible people in pro wrestling. He's just
1: not entertaining enough to make up stories like
0: that just to he get them on care, print. He doesn't care enough to do that kind of thing. It's just never bothered him. So like,
1: so the idea that that did actually happen means that, A, Sean Stasiak is a fucking dipshit, and B, maybe that Lex
0: Luger shit was true, man. Maybe he ah! did
1: spill it in the bar and Vince got mad.
0: Mike Adamley hung a picture of Ronald Reagan in his office.
1: Oh, uh, fucking course he did.
0: Hollywood star Freddie Prince Jr. joined the writing team. He was not there for long.
1: And calling him in 2008 a Hollywood star is maybe a little rich. Well um, yeah. But. And I think he's, like, now doing, like, the podcast circuit a bunch. And, like, he's, like... He
0: has his own podcast, I
1: think. I've seen a lot of stuff that he's talked about and said. Like, he's a very smart guy and a gigantic wrestling fan. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, more power to him. Like, he got to live his dream for a little while.
0: It just... Nobody. I, I think this is the kind of thing that, like, being a WWE writer sounds cool, and then you actually do the job, and it's 15-hour days of Vince calling you a dipshit. Like, it's
1: difficult to understand why anyone does this, to be honest.
0: Terrible. I don't understand how anybody lasts doing that job. And aside from
1: Brian Gorwitz, I can't think of literally anybody who's parlayed it into anything else.
0: No. <laughs> no primo made his wwe debut defeating charlie haas who impersonated carlito for the match and was introduced as charlito
1: this is one of those things where you just know that like the writers are like i don't know man you got a match go do some shit who cares
0: charlie the charlie haas impersonation gimmick was entertaining he was pretty good at them
1: the funny thing is, every time that they've ever had somebody do this, it was pretty good. Oh, like when Big Show did it, it was funny as fuck. When Charlie Haas did it, it was pretty good. Sometimes it's just the only way guys can show their personality.
0: The Miz is really good at this. He did a the great job. The Miz is incredible. A few weeks ago when he did The Rock, and everybody thought it was actually Rock. That is,
1: imagine that you're so good at impersonation that you're six inches shorter in a totally different race than a man, and that everyone assumes that you're him. <laughs>
0: WWE wrestlers appeared at the Republican and Democratic National Conventions. Batista, Shelton Benjamin, and Candace Michelle were at the DNC, while Shawn Michaels, Mr. Kennedy, and Mickey James were at the RNC. How do you think they chose those people, and do you think it reveals their political views? Because I think it does.
1: I think it definitely does. I don't think—there's nothing that I know about any of those people that doesn't suggest that that is exactly yeah. what their political views are, but also— I would guess volunteer? Like Probably. It, but it like there's yeah. gotta be some people they would have said no to. It's not like the boogeyman could have been like, yeah, send me to the Republican convention.
0: Yeah. I mean I can believe they asked Batista because he was a relatively big star. i also it also seems pretty clear Batista's political views are more on the liberal side, if you've ever seen his Twitter account. Sean uh, Shawn oh, yeah. Michaels, Ken Kennedy, and Mickey James all definitely seem like Republicans to me. Mickey James, pretty hardcore country.
1: Yeah, here's the thing, is that, like, wrestlers seem to pretty often fall into either being fucking libertarian weirdos or being so (laughs) unbelievably liberal they don't even vote. And, like, it's difficult for me to imagine anyone in between enough to go to a fucking national convention.
0: Mike Adamly was reportedly working out with a trainer in anticipation of wrestling a match. What? Yeah. This is the worst idea I've ever heard. That is psychotic.
1: You cannot make this man with obvious, like, brain damage wrestle a match. And against who? Why? It was, it was going to be Randy
0: Orton. He slapped what? Randy Orton a few weeks after this. Guys, come on. A number of wrestlers were released, including Colin Delaney, Steve Richards, the Highlanders, Cherry, and referee Wes Adams.
1: Let's always remember that the guy from the Highlander specifically got released because he showed up on screen at TNA.
0: (laughs) Oh, it was so cruel that TNA called him out for that.
1: And he's literally just in the crowd. Like, he's just visiting friends backstage and, like, decided to catch a quick peek. And then they put him on TV, and he tries to hide under his jacket like, no.
0: (laughs) Colt Cabana debuted as Scotty Goldman.
1: Man, I remember at the time thinking, like, I thought Cabana was a great fit for WWE, that he was, like, funny and charming in a way, and he was pretty big. Like, maybe he'd actually get a run. Holy shit, did that go sideways fast.
0: Probably just hired as a favor to his best friend CM Punk. Probably. Wyndham Rotunda made his college football debut as a center for Troy State. That would, of course, go on to be Bray Wyatt. May he rest in peace.
1: Yep. Oh, yes.
0: Rob Terry signed a contract with FCW. Big Rob Terry! I fucking love Rob Terry
1: in TNA, even though he sucked. But God, God love him. I invented the term murder machine for him.
0: And I went back and forth on what should be the hammer, and I decided this would be the setup for it. Rick Flair, Ashley Flair, and her boyfriend were all arrested after a series of fights that seemingly started with Rick being attacked in a car by two guys and ended with Rick and the boyfriend brawling in their apartment parking lot. Police were called due to a fight in the parking lot. They followed a trail of blood to Ashley and her boyfriend's apartment and then followed a trail of blood to the bedroom where they found a bleeding Rick Flair. Holy shit, this night. What the fuck? Are you serious? Like, Ric almost got beaten to death? He got... I mean, I don't think it was death, but he got beat up pretty... I mean, like, him and the boyfriend, it sounded like, were really scrapping... I don't know. It was possible that like maybe Rick felt like the boyfriend didn't like didn't step up in the bar fight when the two dudes jumped in. But just sounds like a wild night with a lot of booze and, you know, things not going well. This is a I think this is what led Grantland to do. You remember that crazy Grantland article on Ric Flair where David Schumacher just went through like. All of his, like, divorces, all of his bankruptcy, all of his bad financial Like, this is, I think, what led to that.
1: It's so funny, too, because can you imagine? I'm sure that this, like, boyfriend wasn't, like, the greatest dude in the world. It's hard for me to imagine that he was. But, like, imagine that your girlfriend's dad is Rick fucking Flair. And he's like, yeah, let's go out to the bars, drink, like, 50 shots You got to keep up, motherfucker. And also, we're going to have a bar fight. And then I'm going to fight you if you don't do good enough. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure, man.
0: And finally, the hammer. Antonio Inoki's Inoki Genome Wrestling Federation presented a show that featured Tyson Tomko, Bobby Lashley versus Sylvester Sylvester Turkai. Rob Van Dam leading a three-way match that included Necro Butcher and Josh Barnett beating Tank Abbott in the main event. Instead of Wrestle Dream, we should call this one Wrestle Nightmare.
1: Antonio Inoki's vision for the future of wrestling was gigantic dudes who were both half-trained fighters and half-trained wrestlers just clubbing each other and then him running out and interrupting their matches to tell them they suck. (laughs)
0: Bob Sapp was, I'm pretty sure Bob Sapp was on this show too. He'd have to be. Bob Sapp
1: was Enoki's vision of wrestling. That's all yeah. he wanted. A man who could do entertainment and fight
0: and wrestle. That's the dream. Yeah, I mean, I think Bob Sapp should have been a massive star in pro wrestling. I think he would. I think he was perfect for WWE. I, he probably just wasn't interested in that lifestyle, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, Bruce saying that he sniffed around Bob Sapp as long ago as, like, 97 and would call him, like, every single year. Like, hey, you mm-hmm. ready to come in? You ready to come in?
0: Bob's a football player. He played uh, football at Washington. I think he played for the Bears briefly, if I'm remembering right. Big yeah. defensive tackle.
1: And he was, like, a charismatic guy, but also he's just... This man is, like, six—if you've never seen Bob Sapp, I just want you to imagine, like, a guy who's 6'6", 300, like, Keith Lee, but, like, better looking and, like, more credible fighter. Yeah. And, like,
0: better physique.
1: And a better talker. And more charismatic. (laughs) Sorry, Keith Lee. But, like, Keith Lee's the only other person in the sport I can never remember even being the same general shape as Bob Sapp.
0: Okay, to get into the show, it's Sunday, September the 7th, 2008. We are at the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. They draw 8,700 people. That's like half full. This is a 20,000-seat arena, so for wrestling, 16,000 would probably be capacity. Not a good house.
1: God. It's difficult to imagine like paying money for this. I know we've said this about a lot of shows in the past, but like you have no idea what you're getting from these scramble matches. Not even a little bit.
0: Especially to pay pay-per-view ticket prices for this. Yeah.
1: We should probably mention coming into this too. This is a weird show that kind of lives on in like wrestling pervert's minds like us. Like there are a lot <laughs> of you guys out there that expressed to me excitement Sick about this. weeks. There's just something about this show that's one of a kind. Like it just feels like They never went in on this concept like this again. It's weirder than shit. It feels like a total one-off pay-per-view contained in its It's own shit.
0: When else has WWE ever done something this dumb? And to do three of them in one night?
1: To go all in on such a shitty idea.
0: (laughs) What it really feels like. It really feels like a TNA show, doesn't it? It does.
1: As we go through, I just want you to imagine this as a TNA show because basically, basically, it is one.
0: Was Dusty on the booking team at this point? Because the scramble match kind of feels like a Dusty idea. I feel like they credit it to Pat Patterson on this show, but that might just be to try to associate it with the Royal Rumble. Maybe
1: he was, and I mean, that would make a whole lot of sense. Especially since, like... Somebody also comes up with the idea that all of these shows have to be based around gimmicks, and I don't know who oh, that, that was is.
0: Vince. That was a Vince thing. That was a Vince call. You wanted to do. And after this, they start doing TLC, Hell in a Cell. Uh, they already have the Knight of Champions. They do Fatal Four Way on one the lamest of all the gimmicks.
1: But you can absolutely imagine him like getting through like 10 gimmick matches and being like, well, shit, we need two more. Somebody call Dusty.
0: The show does 211,000 buys, which is exactly what they did the previous year, 210,000, which I think was headlined by The Undertaker versus Mark Henry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woof. Uh, We have loads of announcers here. We got Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler from Raw, Ross and Taz from SmackDown, and... The wretched team of Todd Grisham and Matt Stryker from ECW.
1: Todd Grisham and Matt Stryker have the most narc energy any two announcers have.
0: Really good friends with the RA, these two guys are.
1: And it's like, to put them as the faces of ECW, the young rebel show, is just so like, come on.
0: In the dark match. Evan Bourne defeated Jim Morrison. Shit, I'd like to see that actually. That sounds better than most of what was on this show. That sounds incredible. If you gave them yeah. fifteen minutes, imagine. Man, and really, you could have shortened every single match on this show because everything on this show was, including Sean and Jericho, went forever.
1: Realistically, if there was only one scramble match, and I think you and I both agree that there should have only been one, if yes. you were going to do this uh there's no reason you couldn't have added two more matches three more matches onto the show if you had shit to put on here
0: the opening promo is mostly about the sean jericho match as it should be because that's what matters should okay so the night after slam jericho beat punk in a non-title match should he have just won the title there and then sean jericho could have been for the title I guess that makes sense,
1: but A, I think they genuinely think that they're going with CM Punk a little bit until they decide to just not do that. I don't think the decision to put the belt on Jericho happens until, like, here. Yeah,
0: I bet bet that was, like, day of. I think they probably came up with that.
1: Yeah, and I think, second of all, like, I don't think—I think that they thought this was going to be the end of the Jericho Michaels thing. I don't think that they expected to get that next last match. Though if they decided not to do a ladder match, that would have been pretty fucking stupid. That,
0: I think the reason they put the belt on Jericho here was because they wanted to do the sh- they wanted to blow it off with a ladder match, and they needed something to be at the top of the ladder. Yeah, and all of
1: that makes total sense because this winds up being a stroke of genius. That like that storyline really should have ended here, but it gives it so much life stretching into the next month. So that makes total and- sense.
0: And I'm glad that, that latter match was awesome and it was a great blow off to that feud and it really leveled up Jericho that he got to beat Sean in his own match. It is funny
1: though, because like we really should have suspected something on the night of, and I don't remember thinking this at all. But like that should have Michael's Jericho should have been the main event of this show. I don't think there's really yeah. any question about that. So the fact that it goes on in the middle should have told us something. <laughs>
0: So the opening match is the ECW Championship Scramble match. We've got Mark Henry defending the ECW title against Chavo Guerrero, Finlay, Matt Hardy, and The Miz. Should we talk about the rules first, or should we talk about what a random collection of douchebags this is?
1: Let's talk about the dudes, because this what a collection of dudes, right? Okay.
0: Mark Henry at this point has revitalized his career on ECW. This is the beginning of Hall of Pain, Mark Henry. It's so clear that in
1: Mark Henry's head, he already gets it. He knows exactly the character he's trying to portray. He knows it's going to work. They don't get it yet because they still got him like goofing around with Tony Atlas and shit. And like they're trying to make him like a comedy character and he's having none of it. He's like, no, I'm an ass kicker. I kick asses.
0: You're famous for never having belt takes. What do you think about this ECW title?
1: Even I think this
0: is an ugly belt. <laughs> I kind of like this one, actually. I hate myself for saying that. I love the size of it
1: because I feel like small belts are the ugliest belts because just they don't look yeah. prestigious. I love how big it is, and I think that that's cool. It just had this weird like foam quality to it, where it didn't even look. It didn't look like it was made out of real metal. It looked plastic <laughs> it to me.
0: Plastic. It definitely wasn't platinum. They weren't springing for platinum. But like, it is what it is.
1: I mean, it looked right. good on Mark. It looked pretty fucking goofy on just about everybody else.
0: Chavo Guerrero is a former ECW champion. See <sighs> him for the title of the previous year. Um, he's part of La Familia at this point, pushing uh, Vicky Guerrero's not in a wheelchair quite yet. It is so funny
1: to me that we have to acknowledge that Chavo Guerrero was a world heavyweight champion, and that,
0: fuck fuck off with that. I love La Familia with Chavo, the Edgeheads, and Bam Neely.
1: God, are are you one of the hundred people on the planet, including his own mother, that remembers that Bam Neely was in that group? (laughs)
0: i do that's not stump steve naming the members of la familia
1: and now that i think about it it probably should have been but even i forgot that bam neely existed
0: every one of these shows i'm just like walking on eggshells trying not to trigger (laughs) stump steve
1: that's why i'm so happy that i've made it like a minefield mine in here like you're gonna step on it at some point tonight buddy
0: uh we got Fit Finley who still kicks ass, but he's getting really old. He's well into his fifties at this point.
1: We have the Miz, who like you can't even say is like oh a gestational God. version of the Miz. This is like this, a completely different human.
0: <laughs> this is the worst look I've ever seen. When he comes out in his shorts, his super long like capri pants shorts, his his gloves and his 15 wristbands, and his fucking bowler's hat this is the worst look I've ever seen
1: his move set is bizarre oh. he's throwing like missile drop kicks and shit shit the Miz never does he's
0: got his what was it, his finisher was called the Wizard of Oz or something the Wizard of Oz up and like spin them or something Yeah. it was
1: a two part move where he'd like hit you with the knee and then hit you with the neck breaker and he never isn't that ever the, no, hit it isn't really. that, isn't that the re, that's the
0: reality check I think Oh, yeah, what was the Wizard of Oz? Uh, it, was, I don't, it was something super weird. He got guys up and had to, like, spin him. He stopped doing it because he couldn't do it on big guys. Like, this Miz, it,
1: it, I don't know that anyone this bad earlier in their, this career has ever gone on to be good, if that makes sense. Like, he, the fact oh, that he becomes Mark who he is now, down. which is a first-ballot like holder like Justin Hall
0: Fields became an all-pro quarterback. Sorry, Bears fans. I believe he's the
1: only person in Wrestling Observer history to win Most Improved multiple times, and it's fair. (laughs) Because
0: he had to improve a lot and improved several times, and he also got worse at a few points. He had an interesting career.
1: This year that we're in right now, where he's this that we're talking about, he won Most Improved. So imagine what he was the year before this. (laughs)
0: that's remarkable because this version sucks yes and then last week we talked about divorce dad energy matt hardy's given off still divorced oh. dad energy at this point <laughs> fat, deep in his fat heart ear. say what you want about cm punk but at least when he was around matt hardy wasn't allowed on collision dude Mad,
1: the ECW brand is built around a feud between Mark Henry and Matt Hardy, which is the most implausible feud in wrestling history.
0: <laughs> and yet it somehow feels like it's on AEW right now. Any oh, it day could. Now. It could. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, the rules of this match. The match lasts 20 minutes. Two wrestlers start in the ring. A new wrestler enters every five minutes. A wrestler who scores a fall becomes champion. Whoever is champion at the end of the match is the permanent champion. Um, if no one scores a fall, the champion retains. Did I miss anything there? I think that's everything.
1: No, I think that's everything. Um, this is it, bizarre. If you needed any evidence that this should not have been a scramble match, the part where you said that it was going to last 20 minutes after listing oh. the fuckers who are in yeah. it, Should have been agonizingly obvious.
0: (sighs) Matt comes out first to a nice reaction. His chasing the ECW title is actually a pretty good story, and they probably should have stretched out a little further than they did.
1: Yeah, to have him win it here without ever actually having to beat Mark is pretty fucking stupid.
0: Strikers says that the entry order was drawn randomly. Um, Miz comes out second. Um, To my surprise, there was no clock on the screen um, until the last five minutes. When the last guy would come in, they would put the five-minute clock on the screen. They pretty much stuck to real time until the main event, which we'll talk about. They cut the main event down.
1: It is bizarre that they didn't cut this one down. But again, like you said, like to not have the clock on the screen, maybe that's just because they didn't want people like obsessing over like who gives a shit. Let's just go hit the concession stand. We got 19 more minutes to go, but it makes it real confusing for the crowd who have never seen this kind of match before. And at least during this one, the first pinfall that happens in this match, they pop for, and then they get confused in the second, it might be over and then confused in the third one and less of a reaction and less of a reaction.
0: So there's no falls in the first five minutes, and then Chavo comes out. Man, recurring theme of divorced dad energy. Chavo Raro.
1: Does anybody in this match not have divorced dad energy? Even The Miz, who was young here, has like <laughs> young divorced really dad like... trying to go out on the town energy.
0: <laughs> With his fedora. It's a bowler's hat, not a fedora. Get it right.
1: Only Mark Henry doesn't have divorced dad energy. <laughs>
0: oh chavo comes in and immediately hits matt with the frog splash and he gets the pin and he's the new champion um as a reminder anyone can be pinned you don't have to pin the champion
1: which i forgot on multiple occasions during the course of this show because it's a rule that makes no fucking sense Also, when they win the title, those don't count as individual title wins the way that it did in the Hardcore Scramble, which is a shame because I wish it did. Do you
0: remember how indignant people got at the idea that they were going to count those as title changes? Yes, that like somebody
1: there would be like 14 title changes during the course of a WWE title match. (laughs)
0: Grisham makes a Robert Frost reference as he says we have miles to go before we sleep. I didn't because I was drifting off off trying to watch this shit.
1: This, yeah, I don't. Matt Stryker is like, he's not full in on his like trying to like be, I'm one of you guys kind of smart commentary. But holy shit is he leaning in that
0: direction. <laughs> Hardy hits the twist of fate on Chavo and pins him to become the new champion. Cool. Big pop for that.
1: If you were in this match, wouldn't you just immediately go for Chavo? Like, fuck all these other guys.
0: The weak link, yeah. That's who you're going to beat. Not going to pin fucking Fit Finley. Jesus.
1: I'm not trying to get my ass whooped.
0: Mark Henry, the defending champion, is the fourth entrant. That means Finley's going to come in last. Henry obviously has to come in and get a pin here to retain his title. It doesn't take long. He comes in and just instantly pins Chavo.
1: That is very funny to me. It's just that Chavo is just a punching bag in this match. He's just a way of moving the belt around. Yeah.
0: Henry beats up everybody for a while. Finley comes in as we tick down to five minutes. Finley nails Henry with his shillelagh and then he hits Hardy with the white noise and pins him. Um, Hardy bounces back, I don't know, 30 seconds later and pins Miz with the twist of fate. We're getting a little silly here.
1: Again, inside of 20 minutes, if there's more than like two or three falls, it just starts making lo- everyone in the match look like they suck. You know what I mean?
0: You don't yeah, want to have go 20 minutes with no pins all the time. Yeah. Imagine a regular thing.
1: And then like people start losing to like shit that aren't real finishes and stuff. And I'm like, guys. We don't have to take falls all the time. Yeah,
0: you know, Chavo hits the frog splash. Henry breaks the pin up. Henry hits the world's strongest slam. Hardy breaks that pin up. Did you see how Miz got busted open? This is clearly a legitimate, yeah, you know, clearly hard way. They were, they, I think they had banned blading by this point, and they definitely, definitely weren't doing blood in the opening match.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't see how he did it, and it's kind of weird because there's like not even a lot of like stuff happening. He must have just like caught in somebody's boot or something.
0: Yeah, I guess the, the edge of the boot, yeah, is just about the only thing I can think of. Um, I think he
1: does land on Finley's feet when he does the missile drop kick. Maybe that's when yeah. it happened.
0: Henry hits the world's strongest slam on Chavo. Hardy once again breaks it up. Henry hits a splash on Miz. Hardy breaks that up too. We go under a minute to play here. 30 seconds left. He- Hardy breaks up Henry's pin attempt right before the time limit and he hangs on to get the win. Uh the match was okay. The last 2 minutes were pretty exciting, but the stuff before that just didn't really matter and didn't click. The match went a legitimate 20 minutes and 4 seconds pretty much hit the real time here.
1: I mean, big ups to them for actually trying to do it, I guess. Like this yeah. is garbage. Like, there's nothing about this that shouldn't have just been a Mark Henry versus Matt Hardy match. Yeah. Everything else in it was completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah, Mark Matt Hardy deserved to get to slay Mark Henry and beat him for the title. And that would have been a good match and a cool moment.
1: But also, maybe they just decided, like, hey, this is a good opportunity for us to not hurt Mark Henry because he's got something yeah. and we can call him up and do something with him
0: backstage we get a quick shot of matt and jeff celebrating together that was that was cool i enjoyed yeah that. that was a nice moment next up uh for the world tag titles we've got cody rhodes and ted dibiase defending against crime time
1: is this the first crime time match we've ever done
0: You know, they weren't on a whole lot of pay-per-views.
1: I, literally, the only two other pay-per-view matches I can ever remember were the ones against Jericho and the one where they fought each other in the only good fucking Texas bullrope match ever in history of wrestling.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did the one where they wrestled Jericho, I think.
1: Yeah, but like, boy, what Time was around was. for a long time without ever really doing anything. <laughs> Man,
0: I thought these guys had a ton of talent, especially Shad. I mean, Shad just had the size and the look. Never really clicked with him. Unfortunately, it, yeah, died a really horribly tragic death, saving his son.
1: Yeah, genuinely died a hero. No one ever had a horrible word to say about him. A wonderful man, apparently. Um, This is a really weird match to watch now, because, like, Cody Rhodes is one of the biggest stars in wrest- all of wrestling. Um, The other three are not.
0: One is dead, Ted DiBiase might be going to prison, and now I don't really know what JTG's up to.
1: Just kind of floating around making Twitter posts. Nothing horrible.
0: Um, (laughs) The funniest JTG thing was him being like, when they finally fired him, just being like, him tweeting like, ah, shit, shouldn't have answered the phone.
1: (laughs) Which people to this day say like, oh, shouldn't have answered the phone, buddy, every time someone gets released. (laughs) You saw it was
0: Johnny Ace calling. Should have let it go to voicemail,
1: man. It should have deleted that voicemail and just showed up back to work. But also because that revealed that Johnny Ace was such a chicken shit that if you didn't answer the phone, you could just keep working until he could get in contact with you. He wouldn't do it face to face.
0: I think that's how JTG lasted so long. I think they might have forgotten he worked there. I would just
1: like not have a phone. Fuck it. Nope. (laughs) No way to get in contact with me.
0: It's like the story of how WCW accidentally let the Iron Sheik's contract roll over, and they ended up paying him for another year. That's so funny. So, um, crime this time. Match, I don't have a lot to say here. I like crime time. Fun act. It's a fun act.
1: Um, it's way harder to watch now than it was at the time. And even at the time, it was kind of like cringy. Ooh, it, it's. It's Incredi- just so clue-
0: I mean, it's incredibly racist. And it's another of those gimmicks where it's supposed to be like sly and postmodern like we're making fun of racial stereotypes, but actually we're just embracing them.
1: Yeah, actually this is the most direct like this is what Vince yeah. McMahon thinks a cool black man looks like cuz what the idea of this is that they're supposed to be cool. And like, boy, they've just layered them up with fucking everything. But also because fashion uh, in that era was not great, so we're back to like baggy ass pants and like white tank tops and Timberlands. It's rough, guys. (laughs) Meanwhile, you have uh, the NWA Wonderkins (laughs) over in the other corner.
0: Man, uh, I do love the the Pink Floyd money knockoff entrance theme. That's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Eventually, Cody and Uh, Ted are going to become a genuinely great tag team. Like, that feud they have with DX is genuinely
0: amazing. Yeah, we put that over pretty hard in the past.
1: But they are not yet there.
0: Crime time. Okay, so um, Cody and Ted get the win when JTG has Cody in a small package and Ted rolls it over. Whatever. After the match, we get the WWE debut of the very forgettable Manu, who is... Uh, Roman Reigns' cousin, of course they're all cousins, but like he's the son of the other, like I forget whether Arthur or Sika is Roman's dad, but Manu is the son of the other one. whichever one isn't Roman's dad, Manu is the son of the other wild Samoan.
1: I think Sika is Roman's dad. but yeah. Anyway, don't quote me on that. Um, So here's the thing, pretty much every Samoan who has ever lived has been like a really big dude, either like yeah. fat or just large or whatever. Um, but usually they're like intimidatingly large or like athletically large. Man, is the only one who just kind of looks like a dude? And like his he's, look looks is like garbage. A geek. He
0: looks like yeah. a nerdy dude with his big afro and his terrible t- his terrible colorful tights. What? A, just a terrible. I know he's like the son, obviously, he's the son of a legendary wrestler, but a terrible fit for this legacy group.
1: Yeah, and basically,
0: they have him in the
1: exact same outfit as Umaga, but like he just looks like a dork in it. Like, it yeah. doesn't work at all.
0: He doesn't last long. He's gone by the end of the year. Just Can you imagine
1: how bad you have to be to me, a member of the N.O.Y.A. family and Vince to yeah. be like, nope, got nothing for you, kid. Get out.
0: <laughs> oh. Next up, we see Sean getting his elbow taped up backstage. He suffered a legitimate partial tricep tear on Raw that he was fortunately able to work through. Man, wrestlers are tough as fuck. That sounds yeah, proceeds really to have this banger match, even though he's got a torn muscle in his arm. And then a month later, he's going to have an even harder match to have. Yeah. Uh, going on in the middle of the card, we got the street fight between Jericho and Michaels. No disqualifications, no count-outs. They announce it as win only by pinfall or submission. You know what the finish is here? Not a pinfall or submission. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You didn't have to announce it could only be won by pinfall or submission, but you did. Little things matter. Also, like, why are there
1: rules as to how it can end? Because it's an unsanctioned match. It should be like... It'll end when it ends, because we have no control over what happens or when it ends. There shouldn't have even yeah. been a ref out there at all.
0: That's actually a good point. You probably shouldn't have had a ref, and it would have made the finish work better if you didn't, I think.
1: I would, every time they do an unsanctioned match, I feel in my heart that there'd be like, no entrances. Like, we yeah. blocked off this time for these fuckers to sort their shit out, but we have nothing to do with it. Goodbye. Yeah. No announcers. We're wiping uh-huh. our hands of this
0: jericho comes out first in his usual boots and trunks then sean comes out in street clothes and he doesn't do any of his usual posing or dancing just come just stares a hole through jericho just a look of pure hatred it's so
1: most people have never made street clothes work for them like It's usually just kind of, like, awkwardly wearing jeans with knee pads over it or whatever. But, like, Shawn Michaels had two very different versions of himself where he's, like, the entertainer Shawn Michaels and it's time for you to die, Shawn Michaels.
0: Man, the other thing is, like, him staring somebody down, because he's got the, like, floating retina, he looks really intimidating when he He starts staring at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean just beats the absolute shit out of Jericho for many, many minutes to start this match. Um, Hell yeah. Jericho eventually gets Sean in the walls of Jericho. Sean manages to crawl to the ropes and he grabs a fire extinguisher from under the ring and sprays Jericho with it. Sean beats down Jericho on the floor for a while and then a person runs in. Who did, did? I thought this was Jack Swagger at first, but it was Lance
1: Cade. This does not look like Lance Cade. He's gotten like a new haircut. He looks like Jack Swagger.
0: I always forget about this Lance Cade thing. Lance Cade was a guy who Sean had trained, and so they decided like I'm, this was a Jericho thing. The Jericho, Jer, they decided to have him come in and Jericho be his disciple and turn him evil against Sean was not it, it's weird it, it did not work and Cade unfortunately kate died not that long, maybe a year after this i think he got yeah released they have to release then.
1: him because he's doing he like so wrong yeah. like i think it was inherently a good idea because Cade was a good prospect who wasn't really going yeah. anywhere and like giving jericho a bodyguard is like a great move for that character it, it would have worked but it just wasn't going to work with him you know like he you know, just who
0: i would have loved to see interact with sean michaels is the version of brian kendrick they've got going right what I'm now saying, the brian kendrick would have been perfect to haunt Shawn Michaels. this like twisted weirdo guy yeah we'll, t- like this we'll b- talk about brian kendrick and how much we love him in a minute
1: yeah i'm your legacy in the business sean i'm what you created i'm this <laughs>
0: Uh, Sean eventually hits Cade with sweet chin music. Sean then throws Jericho off the top rope through a table on the floor. Sean puts Cade on the announce table, puts Jericho on the table too, and proceeds to hit them both with a flying elbow from the top rope.
1: This was incredible. We've seen a lot of people do top rope elbows. I've never seen anyone aim one this perfectly so that like, just enough force to crush the table, not enough to hurt either guy. And he's just kind of casually leaning on top of both of them at the end.
0: They go back in the ring. Sean, Sean takes off his belt and proceeds to whip the hell out of Jericho with it. Just, Oh boy.
1: This is wild because you imagine having this conversation before the match where like, and I'm sure it was Jericho's idea. Like you're going to hit me with the belt, like 500 times. I want you to tear my skin open. Yeah. Cause I'm gonna cut a promo tomorrow that's gonna kick ass.
0: Yeah, the next night on Raw, Jericho takes off his shirt and shows. He's just his back is just covered with welts and bruises, like Sean beat the hell out of him here.
1: But it's so important that he does because then Jericho's whole deal here has been your hero Shawn Michaels is an evil yeah. man and I'm gonna prove Broken. it. And now it's now it's like, look at what he did to me. This man who says he's a godly man. <laughs>
0: Turned him into the monster he was fighting against.
1: And I won the belt anyway. No, spoilers. So sorry.
0: (laughs) Sean gets on top of Jericho and pummels him until the referee stops the match. And then Sean hits the ref with sweet chin music to boot. It's so dumb that a ref
1: stops the match. But, like, this is – I would have been so much happier if Sean had just kept beating him and beating him and beating him until finally he just stops and walks away. Like, I've had enough. I got my revenge.
0: I'm done. And yeah, it was unsanctioned anyway. And that adds the heat of Jericho could just be like, oh yeah, he didn't actually beat me. He didn't pin me. I didn't tap out. Yep. Yeah, you could have done something like Sean gets a glimpse of himself on the Titan Tron and he's just like, oh shit, what am I do- Like, what have I become? Yep. Um, Really good, a little long. They probably could have shaved five minutes out of this and been a little better for it.
1: Agreed, but, like, it definitely accomplishes what they're trying to accomplish, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: Backstage, Cody and Ted are celebrating with Manu. Orton comes in and yells at them, saying their win was pathetic. I do kind of love this version of Randy Orton. He just shows up and tells these guys they suck. The whole beginning of
1: this legacy thing is them being, like... All right, we won our match. Yeah, and Randy being like, you guys fucking suck. And then they keep coming back to him and being like, well, wasn't that Was good? good enough? We, no. no. <laughs> nope. You guys are lame.
0: All right. We've got the SmackDown Scramble match. Should we talk about the participants on top here, or should we take them as they enter? Let's take them as they enter. First up, maybe the hottest babyface in the company, Jeff Hardy. He is in his element here. Got so, the no yeah. more words entrance. He got the pyro. He's awesome. This is my it's favorite so, Jeff Hardy. There's so many times where it
1: seemed like Jeff Hardy was going to get his shit together and like be the guy. But it wasn't until here that he had everything. He finally had the wrestling ability back. He had like built up enough humility and credit with The Office that they were finally behind him 100%. He started to like be able to cut some decent promos or at least protect himself in a way that he didn't expose himself in promos. The matches were incredible, but he's also, he wasn't just doing normal Jeff Hardy matches. All of his matches had this like this veneer of can he break through the glass ceiling? Is this gonna be the one? Is this gonna be the one? And he just kept getting so agonizingly close.
0: Second, we've got the United States champion, Shelton Benjamin, with his Cisco hair.
1: We go back to this era now, and it pisses me off that Shelton Benjamin didn't get to be more. And and then we see this, and I'm like, all right, well, the music sucks now, and his hair looks dumb. And like, all right, it's over.
0: The hair is bad, but he just always looked like a megastar. What a great physique. Even here in this match, he fucking kills it. Yeah. We're just long past it at this point. His moment was 04-05, and they just missed
1: it. Yep. Uh,
0: not a whole lot happens in the first five minutes, and then the Brian Kendrick comes out. How what was this Brian Kendrick character? Like did, I should have researched this. Do you have any idea what inspired this? What they were going for? This was fascinating to me.
1: So first, this is the character that he had always been trying to portray. All the way back to like when he was on the indie scene as Leonardo Kendrick and like doing Leonardo Spanky and doing all of that stuff. His idea was that he was a kooky guy who was different and he was inspired by Brian Pillman primarily. He didn't necessarily yeah. want to be as angry as Pillman, but he wanted to be as different as Pillman. I could see that. So, like, this character is basically built on the idea of, like, it's sort of like the architect Seth Rollins thing of, like, a guy who's, like, too small to actually make it, but he's so much smarter than you. Yeah. Like, this is, he's like the fucking Riddler out there. Like, he's just like, I have the biggest, best bodyguard. I'm faster than shit. And I have ten plans, ten steps
0: ahead of you. And if they had ever actually let any of those plans work out, it would have worked. <laughs> He's got Ezekiel Jackson as his bodyguard, which is a pretty good heater. They did a great promo segment where um, Kendrick is quoting the art of war. And he asks Zeke, like what year like Sun Tzu wrote the art of war and Zeke knows it off the top of his head. But Zeke is sitting in the background reading the cat in the hat. I just found that all so fascinating. And it's like, Obviously we don't get any depth
1: to this character cuz it no. lasts like what 3 months before they bury it like <laughs> yeah.
0: just gets forgotten
1: about yeah but it was so fascinating in the moment like it goes into that list of like the Sean O'Hare like Devil's yeah. Advocate character and like that uh like Waylon Mercy character as like amazing ideas that never really got to pan out mostly you because just of reuse physical this character just give this to somebody else but like yeah, this idea of a man who's like, I'm a genius, but my physical limitations prevent me from being the best, so I have to outthink you every time, It's just num- it's an amazing idea. The way it is. I, I would have gone crazy for a few between him and Triple H, where like he like keeps beating Triple H. He
0: outthinks the game. Yeah,
1: but yeah, like Ezekiel Jackson beats the shit out of the game, or like. He'll like get a disqualification, but that still counts as a win for me. So I'm moving up in the rankings, dickhead. It doesn't matter. I would have gone nuts for that shit.
0: The problem and is having Zeke be an intelligent monster who's kind of yes. childlike is also fascinating. The idea that like he, he's not just your stereotypical
1: bodyguard guy, and that he could have spun off into something truly amazing. And that fit that he had where he was wearing like Miami white linens, yeah. Like oh, he looked amazing. Yeah, he would not fuck with this guy. Kendrick's look where he was like half green, half tiger print was weird as shit and cool. It's just the only problem is, as much as we gush about this, Brian Kendrick weighs 140 pounds. So
0: he's so scrawny. And for whatever reason, he doesn't have any wrist tape. It's just it's. Maybe if this
1: came along now. Doesn't this just yeah. seem like it would have absolutely slayed as a character in, like, Triple H's NXT? Like, he could have yeah, been, like, is, the champ for ten years. This is, the
0: char- this is kind they should have just brought this character back when he came back in the Cruiserweight Classic. It's I think the they tried it. to, but, it, like, he the was The man doing with the plan, the- yeah. Well, the problem is, is
1: that he was doing the pirate by then. Like, he was, like, yeah. half a pirate, half the man. But, like, I loved his music, too. I'm the man with the plan. With the plan. That should have been he his should- gimmick.
0: It, Shame you had to wrestle TJ Perkins Yeah that's the problem
1: <laughs> Them building the division around The Brian Kendrick after TJ Perkins Flames out because he's the only one who can cut a promo Is pretty funny
0: Oh the best thing about the Cruiserweights was when Enzo just came out and buried them and everybody Was like oh but he's right is the thing but Yeah he suck. spent 10
1: minutes Burying each of them individually and then they all Beat his ass <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Jeff hits Kendrick with an alley-oop bomb and pins him for the first fall. Um, Shelton hits pay dirt, but Kendrick breaks up the pin. I don't really know why he would break the pin up.
1: That's the thing. Why would you ever break a pin up unless it's in, like, the last 30 seconds? Like, who cares if that person gets a if pin? You're the,
0: if you're the current champion, I guess you could break a pin up to try to get the pin yourself. But he didn't yeah. do that here. And that's the thing, like, but then, again, Kendrick is the person in this match
1: who's the most vulnerable. You want him to be the champion so that you can beat him.
0: Well, it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter who the champion is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: God, I keep in my head thinking that's the rule. Because it should be. Because it yeah. should be. Uh, Kendrick hits sliced bread on Hardy and he pins him. Brian Kendrick, the Brian Kendrick, the interim WWE champion. It used to be that you can piss
1: a lot of people off on wrestling forums by calling the Brian Kendrick a former WWE
0: champion. Just spitting on the proud legacy of the title. (laughs) MVP comes out next. Like I said, he was on a 25-match losing streak. It
1: feels weird that he's even here. Like, they're really stretching to get to six guys.
0: Like, you could have well, just made it yeah. four guys. They left out The Undertaker and The Big Show, who would have been pretty interesting in this match.
1: Also, I would have gone to such lengths to not get the segment we're going to get later. So, sure, put them oh, in here, man. please.
0: would have given anything to not have that. The Brian Kendrick oh. versus
1: The Undertaker would have set my yes. soul on fire. <laughs>
0: Kendrick in there with Undertaker and Big Show just being like, yeah, the two monsters are going to cancel themselves out and I'm going to win. And then he should have. He should have. <laughs> no one's able to get a pin for Triple H bases entrance. You know, I do kind of like the urgency of Triple H is coming in here with five minutes to go and he's got to get a pin. Like, it's go time. Like, this is the two-minute drill. It's so
1: funny... If you really look at this match, this is Triple H and five jabronis. <laughs> and it's really a matter of, can Triple H beat five men at the same time? Because that's how he the match sure is presented. sure shit can. Yeah. He and just we needs know to
0: demolish heart, everyone. Like, he annihilates all five guys. <laughs> Immediately nails Kendrick with the pedigree and pins him. Um. I mean, poor Kendrick. <laughs> Hardy then gets MVP with the twist of fate and pins him. Notably, MVP was, I believe, the only guy in this match who didn't get. I don't think Shelton got a title reign either.
1: No, neither one of them did. It's funny because, like, you might say that letting Brian Kendrick get a pinfall in this match is kind of like a way of putting him over, but then he immediately yeah. gets pinned in every other pin for the rest of the match. So I really don't know.
0: <laughs> Hardy goes to the top. Triple H crotches him. Uh, it hits Kendrick with another pedigree, pins him again. <laughs> I mean, like, look, uh, weave the shovel out. We've gone through a
1: lot of examples about how Triple H doesn't really bury people, but in this match, he's, he puts Brian Kendrick ten feet under, buddy.
0: I mean. I'll tell you one better. Remember that time London Kendrick came out to save him and Triple H pedigreed both of them?
1: Yes. And they were the only tag team in the entire company at the time.
0: <laughs> oh. Um. Jeff immediately hits Kendrick with a Swanton bomb and pins him to get the title back. Kendrick takes four pinfalls in this match. <laughs> in a minute. In 20 yeah. minutes. Triple H goes to Pedigree Jeff, but Jeff back or Jeff gets Triple H goes to Pedigree Jeff, but Jeff backdrops him over the top. Clock ticks down under a minute. It's crunch time. Shelton MVP and Kendrick do a Tower of Doom. Hardy hits the Whisperer in the Wind and a Swanton bomb on Shelton. There's only 15 seconds left. Jeff is still the champion. All he has to do is hang on for 15 seconds here. Triple H is a pedigree on MVP. Jeff is looking right at him, has an unopposed path to break this up, but instead he tries to pin Shelton, which he doesn't need to do. This was a totally bungled finish. Triple H gets the pin instead and
1: wins. Yeah, here's the thing. It would have made way more sense if like Kendrick was the champion going into the last ten seconds, and then they both go for a pin, but Triple H had the pin one second earlier. You know what I mean? Yeah, that tells the story a lot worked.
0: better. Or like Triple H is the champion, but Jeff gets a swanton bomb, and Triple H just breaks it up, or Jeff hesitates a second too long and doesn't. Oh, that's get the even pin better. Time. Like he gets
1: one, two time expires. Uh, he almost yeah. triple H. Triple H doesn't kick out. He would have won, but he doesn't.
0: Yeah, I do like that. That's incredible. Oh, but yeah, Triple H wins. I don't know. How would you rate these? Which 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 one of these was the best? I think I might have enjoyed this one the most. This, this one was the
1: most enjoyable because it had the best mix of weirdos in it. So like yeah. I, I really wanted to see how all of these guys would interact, and Triple H wrestling these guys was such a novelty. That was the fun part of Triple H on SmackDown. He'd never wrestled any of these dudes before ever, except like no, he Shelton just starts and making
0: Jeff. stars. He's putting everybody over. Though ironically, he never
1: actually loses any matches to anybody. No, <laughs> He's like no but they the become whole time. stars by coming close to beating him ironically this is the closest to 80s rick flair the triple h ever was was this leer that no one remembers
0: uh we get an interview with sean backstage he says he's going home to spend time with his family he says he wishes he could do what he did to jericho tonight every night for the rest of his life he says he doesn't know if he can control himself and he doesn't he wants to. The worst is yet to come for Chris Jericho. Oof! What a monster! Ominous. Yeah. Then we get an interview with CM Punk. He says he's overcoming the odds until Orton shows up and tells him he's a shitty joke of a champion. And then Cody, Ted, and Manu attack Punk. Kofi Kingston shows up to try to help his buddy Punk, but he gets beaten up, and then Orton comes in and nails Punk with a punt and knocks him out. Stiff punt. It was a stiff punt.
1: The funny thing is, like, when they first show it, they don't even have the camera focused on Punk, so it's almost like an afterthought that he's getting punted in the face. Yeah, your champion just got knocked the fuck out. I, they do this to try to protect Punk. I will argue until I'm blue in the face that this makes Punk look like a dipshit.
0: <laughs> Looks like such jabroni here. Just like a lot of He doesn't even get to wrestle. in the, He couldn't even do the main event because he got punted.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have been, like, punted and put out. But, like, the idea that, like, he gets punted right before his match and, whoops, you can't even be champion anymore, idiot. <laughs>
0: Next up, Divas Championship match. Michelle McCool versus Maurice. Not much of interest here. McCool retains in six minutes of the Facebuster Suplex. Who cares? I thought Maurice was super
1: fucking underrated at the time, and I still do think that. Um, but
0: these matches—it does feel like all of these women are actually much better wrestlers than they get credit for. Or get the opportunity to show. Like we've raved about Kelly Kelly before. Yeah.
1: Like part of it is just that they're all forced to look exactly identical by John Laurinaitis, so like they're hard to even tell apart some of the time. But they all have
0: also bizarrely Natalia has dyed her hair red, so like like again she looks just like Maria. It's just fucking weird, man.
1: i I just I feel like John Lornais is literally trying to like force these women on point of firing to like become his most fuckable ideals and just keeping them that way and jerking off while they wrestle. And like, I know that's an unpleasant mental image to put in your heads, but imagine what these
0: girls went through. yeah. Mike Adamley comes out to announce that punk may not be able to compete tonight. He says if punk can't compete, He'll be replaced in the match, and the winner of the scramble match will be the new champion. What a shit deal for CM Punk. Yeah. No one's ever had this happen to them before. You're going to lose the title because you were injured. I guess people I mean, people get stripped of the title due to injury, but like, this is very unusual. Just like how he got attacked right before the match, and we're going to take the title from him. Can you imagine if this happened in real life and be like, well, I'm going to sue you guys for taking my shit away due to unsafe work conditions. It's very much an unsafe work environment. And then the big show comes out. (sighs) Fuck me. And
1: the next 20 minutes of our lives begins (sighs) to unfurl.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is where at first I was like, God, there's a lot left in this show. What the hell happens? This segment happens. The next, there's only two things left in this show,
1: but there are cumulative 60 minutes. Oh,
0: Big Show says he'd like to be Punk's replacement, even though he's on SmackDown. Vicky Guerrero comes out and yells at him. Druids come out with a casket. Undertaker appears on the screen and asks if Vicky will get in the casket voluntarily or, or if he'll have to come down there and choke the life out of her. This Holy is a shit. little weird, huh? So what is <laughs> that dark. What has Vicky done to him at this point? She fired him. when it, She stripped him of the title for using the go-go plot. Uh-huh. And then she fired him after he lost that match to Edge. But That's then she brought right. him back and gave him a Hell in a Cell match against Edge. You would think that they
1: would be even now, but like, I guess he still wants to kill her. (laughs) He does.
0: This goes on so long. Taker comes out. Big show is laughing at Vicky, but then he attacks Undertaker and they proceed to basically have a max length fight. They fight on the floor. They fight in the ring. It goes on and on until big show hits him with about three KO punches to knock him
1: out here's the thing like the this entire thing hinges on the idea that we won't think the big show is going to betray taker of course. but of, of course, course he is because he's big show and he's, he's not, not even everybody. really a baby face at this point
0: oh yeah and then he just really has he really just hasn't done much of anything since he got beat by floyd mayweather at wrestlemania I don't think it's a bad idea to get Big Show involved here, but all it needs is one punch, right? Yeah. That, or, and that would put the punch over a lot more if it actually only took one punch to put out The Undertaker. I also probably wouldn't have even brought Taker out
1: here. I would have just had, like, Taker be like, say that to Vicky, and then Show comes out and says, I'll protect you, but you got to give me what I want. <laughs> what does he want? Well, they do start fucking, if you recall.
0: Yeah, so I guess that's what he wanted.
1: I mean, in storyline... He, uh, Big Show does start yeah. giving it to Vicky.
0: Hmm. Yeah, he sure does. He sure does. <laughs> oh, we see William Regal campaigning to Adam Lee to get in the scramble match. Regal points out he beat Punk in the King of the Ring finals.
1: I mean, that is a really yeah. good
0: point. Man. Remember when William Regal was supposed to be the top in this company and maybe was going to get a world title run? It really seemed for a
1: minute like that absolutely was going to happen.
0: It was three months before this, and yeah, he had liquid hot heel heat when he was turning the lights out when the fans would boo him.
1: And, like, literally that moment where he wins King of the Ring and then sits on the throne, and yeah. he's the only one who's ever looked good on that throne, ever. deranged look on his face. Like... He could have made King Regal into, like, a scary thing.
0: Yeah. I guarantee you Triple H wanted to put him over for the title. He's his best buddy.
1: Like, if ever it was going to happen, that's when it was going to happen. But, like, where in any of this would you have put that? Maybe here, honestly.
0: Uh, And then we've got the World Heavyweight Championship Scramble match. Got Batista out first, JBL second remarkable it wasn't jbl at the republican convention but they might have been afraid of what he would say
1: that's the thing is he was already there but just on private business
0: (laughs) he would have given a speech that would have somehow sunk john mccain's poll numbers even further down oh yeah uh we have no idea if punk's gonna be in the match or not they say they just don't know whether he's gonna be in there who the fifth guy is if he isn't
1: but Adam Lee already knows who it's going to be. And it's he's got a good idea.
0: They wrestle for an uneventful couple minutes. And then Kane comes out third. Kane looking real dumpy here.
1: Man, th- I mean, obviously this is not... On this, the list of Kane Dumpy times, but no one has ever vacillated between looking like the most incredible brick muscle any human being has ever been and a lardy piece
0: of shit like Kane was. The contrast between Batista, Zeke, and JBL and Kane's is pretty remarkable. Only a couple people in
1: this company allowed to use steroids. Can you guess who they are?
0: Kane gets the first pin of the match as he hits a choke slam on JVL. Yep. Rey Mysterio comes in. Next. Kane abducted him and tortured him because he was obsessed with the fact that Mysterio wore a mask. No reference to that here. <laughs> uh the intervals seem short and apparently they did cut them down to 4 minutes each because they were 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 worried the show was going to run over time. Gosh. What do well, we think ran long? And why is it 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 Shawn Michaels? I'm sure it was that. that? Didn't that yeah, segment, but did yeah. we
1: also have to give 20 minutes to take her big show Vicky? Like if that if Shawn had already run long?
0: <laughs> what if that
1: segment just hadn't happened?
0: Would just anyone have shit. missed it? If you put that exact same thing on SmackDown, does it hurt anything? Could have just given The Undertaker a post-show dark match. Just have him come out and kill a jobber. Who cares? Bam Neely, one-minute match. Clock ticks down to zero, and the final entrant is Chris Jericho. Mike Adamley letting Chris Jericho compete only minutes after he's been beaten into submission by Shawn Michaels.
1: First of all, this is not safe, though. Somebody who played football in that era probably would have been like, whatever, concussion. What's that? Go on in there. But the the beautiful moment when he comes out and he's got blood smeared all over his face, but he's got the biggest shit eating grin on his face because he's got it. He knows what's about to happen.
0: He can barely even get to the ring. (laughs) He doesn't even get in the ring. He just kind of gets there and then like lays down at ringside to pick a spot.
1: And everyone just kind of forgets he's there, unfortunately for them.
0: Uh, JBL hits a clothesline from hell on Kane. Batista hits the spine bar on JBL. We're down to two minutes left, and Kane is still the champion. Kane is in control, he hits a flying lariat, and he covers Batista, even though he's already the champion. Jesus Christ, these guys don't even know the rules.
1: No, and it doesn't surprise me that they don't know the rules, because they're probably explained to them one minute before the match started.
0: Batista hits the spear, and then the spinebuster on Kane, he pins him with 30 seconds to go. Clock is ticking down rapidly here. Batista is just kind of holding on to things here. 20 seconds left. There's still nobody in the ring. Batista's got this. Ray flies in. Batista catches him out of the air. Ray was supposed to be Batista's friend.
1: This pisses me off so much only because... I was so excited I it was
0: thinking that we that turn. Yeah.
1: Because that also happened. That happens in a four way match
0: a year later. That yeah. also has yeah, Kane that was, in it. That was the next fall that happened. Batista's got the title one, and Ray screws him over, and then Batista tells him he's going to rip his hat off. That's one of the greatest
1: heel turns of all time, and I was so yeah. excited it was about to happen, but it's not. And that's despite the fact that the look Batista gives Ray at the end of this Batista. match. Yeah, he's ready
0: to do it now, and he's got. He looks like heel Batista. He's got the bald head and all the new tattoos. He looks yeah, awesome. I was
1: absolutely certain it was now, and I was so bummed when you told me it wasn't.
0: As Batista is busy slamming Ray, Jericho sneaks in and covers Kane and pins him right as time expires. Jericho is unbelievably the winner in the World Heavyweight Champion. Literally, Batista can't see Jericho doing
1: it because Mysterio's dick is in his face
0: mid-powerbomb, which is so funny. <laughs> Great way to treat your friend, Ray. Oh, Scumbag. Man.
1: And this is just so beautiful. Jericho just clutches the title and just rolls out of the ring and just tries to hide because he's in so much pain. <laughs> but he did it.
0: Yeah, and this Jericho, the world heavyweight champion What an unbelievable one-night story From just the lowest of lows He got beat senseless and humiliated by Shawn Michaels
1: And the and show now, Yeah, the show ends with him grinning ear to ear Clutching the title that Shawn Michaels could never have Nope You know, uh, funny thing So what did you think about this match as a match? boring it was boring I agree
0: big sluggish dudes clubbing each other and again who cared about anything until the last two minutes the last two minutes were really exciting like they were in all of these matches but the stuff that led up to it just didn't matter I just rarely does any match work where you take the sudden death element out of wrestling that's what makes wrestling great that it could end at any time.
1: Yep. And, like, they had really great finishes for all three of these matches. Really great stories that they wanted to tell and really great twists. And I loved all those ideas. But, like, the matches to get to them were just so pointless.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, overall, not positive feelings about this show. Well, before we get away from the main event...
1: I gotta tell you that you've triggered Stump Steve. No, how? You thought you were gonna get away with it, but no. Fuck. So, Stump Steve, which I believe our record is four and ten at this point. I'm catching up. Uh, so there have been eleven Unforgivens in history. This wow. is
0: the last one. That is crazy. I was reading that, and I couldn't believe they never did because they brought back all the other pay-per-views from this. Day. They brought back No Mercy and Backlash. Somehow, never another Unforgiven. Yep, somehow. Um, in the history of Unforgiven, there have been a wild number
1: of people who have main-evented. You would imagine that it would be the same people every time, like a lot of the pay-per-views are when you go back and look. But this babe, pay- no one has main-evented an Unforgiven more than three out of 11 times. There are three people who have main evented Unforgiven three times. Only three. Can you name them? Oh shit! That's and I'm only gonna give you five total guesses. You can only be wrong twice.
0: Okay. I mean, given my you know reservoir of knowledge, I can probably remember the main events of every Unforgiven. Believe it or not. I believe that Uh, you can.
1: But can you narrow it down?
0: Was Steve Austin versus Dude Love 1998? Yeah. 1999 was the six pack challenge with The Rock, The Big Show, Kane, Triple H, The British Bulldog. Oh, fuck me!
1: <laughs> Dad jeans.
0: And Mankind one, two, three, four, five, six. Unforgiven 2000 was a fatal four-way match with Undertaker, Rock, Chris Benoit, and Kane. Unforgiven 2001 was Kurt Angle versus Steve Austin. Unforgiven 2002 was The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Unforgiven two thousand three. What am I up to? Two thousand three was Triple H versus Goldberg. Unforgiven two thousand four we did last week was Randy Orton versus Triple H. Uh-huh. So I've got three. I've got three Triple H matches here already. So Triple H is one of them.
1: Triple H is one of
0: them. Okay. Um Unforgiven 2005
1: That's a tough one.
0: Raw Pay-Per-View. It's John Cena versus Kurt Angle. Mm. Unforgiven 2006 is John Cena versus Edge in the TLC match. Unforgiven 2007 was Mark Henry versus The Undertaker. How much Undertaker have we got so far? Not that much. I think actually now he's only shown up. Oh, we've got two Undertakers so far, so I'll have to keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. This one was this scramble match with Kane, JBL, Jericho. Oh, we just did this match. And I can barely remember who was in it. <laughs> <Batista> <laughs> and Mysterio. We've got, have we only got two Kane matches? No, we got three Kane, because he was in the six-pack, the four-way, and the scramble match. That is a bizarre history for Kane.
1: Yes, Kane is one of them, and the one that I was hoping that you wouldn't get.
0: Now, wait a second. got to look back at this, because this is the last Unforgiven, and I haven't figured out who the third guy is yet.
1: That's correct. You have not. There's people at home jumping up and down because they heard you say it. (laughs) And you haven't figured it out.
0: Man, I wrote them all down. Now I'm sorry this is taking so long, but here's some. Oh wait, 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 wait! It's um, it's the Undertaker. It's It's the the Undertaker. Undertaker. Okay, yeah, the Undertaker was in the four-way. He, was, he wrestled Lesnar, and then he wrestled Henry. And I think it, I was thinking it wasn't him because he was originally going to be in that six-pack match, and they pulled him out of it because he was injured, and they replaced him with Bulldog.
1: That is correct, yes. Oh, you my are, God. You,
0: you have gotten it correct.
1: Right. I can't believe you just rattled off every fucking Unforgiven main event off yeah. the top of your head. I
0: reflect on the fact that I just named every single Unforgiven main event. I want you guys at home. These to are understand. some obscure ass matches we're talking about here, too. I was like, sure he was gonna struggle matches with this. And four waves and six packs. Yeah. There are only eleven of
1: these. It's been fucking fifteen years since there was one, and he just did it off the top of his head. Do you understand how hard it is to put together these stump steves with any sort of possibility <laughs> of success?
0: The key is I wrote, the, like I went down and typed them out as I was saying them, so I could look back at it. And yes, to start yeah. doing that more often. That wasn't
1: him googling it, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very strict no googling rule.
0: That was me typing it in my Google Doc of notes about the show, which is how long as this now is. This thing, twelve pages, eleven yeah. pages. These Google Docs
1: of the shows, which I posted some of them on the the Patreon page, which I recommend that you guys go and see them. But they're true works of art. The man puts way more effort into these things than I ever will.
0: That's what makes this great, though.
1: Yeah, for him, it's very, like, articulately planned. And for me, pure off the cuff, I don't even know what's on these fucking shows before I watch them. And I finish watching them five minutes before we start recording.
0: Oh, my God. Why did we... Here's the crazy thing. We've been talking about doing this show, like, since we started doing this podcast. I feel like when we were first talking about, like, what shows we want to do, I was like, Oh, we should do WrestleMania 17 and SummerSlam 92 and Invasion. You were like, oh, we should do the Scramble matches. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. They stick in the mind of wrestling perverts. This
1: is just such a bizarre one night thing. And none of these matches really meant anything. And the
0: Scramble matches suck. And the gimmick is terrible. But like, they the sh- maybe did one more of these. I think.
2: They At did do another point, one. They
0: did another ECW one. God, that would have been a good stump, Steve, too. I don't remember who. I think Tom, Tom is that where Tommy Dreamer won the title?
1: I mean, that would make a lot of sense if it was.
0: Yeah. was that would have been, it would have been like Tommy Dreamer, Christian, Jack Swagger, and uh, I don't know, Big Daddy V maybe? Who else would have been? There has to be a fifth guy, right? I don't know who the fifth guy would have been. You got me, man. I just, uh gonna google it i think it was the bash
1: 2009
0: the bash the bash (laughs) it wasn't even greater american because we've gone unpatriotic
1: it's just the bash
0: it was tommy dreamer defending the ecw title against christian finley swagger and mark henry and it was 14 minutes and 46 seconds (sighs) long (laughs) So the entrance must have been like two or – it must have been three minutes apart and they kayfabed the time and rushed it? Jesus. Jesus. Yikes. That's grim. But like this is one of those things – and
1: I think part of the reason it sticks in the head is – is it sort of automatically triggers fantasy booking in some of our heads, right? For those of us who are inclined for that, don't you just have this feeling like I could fix this. I could get in here and you could change these rules in a certain way and you could make this something cool. But the truth is, guys, you have to let it go because there is no way. We've been talking about this for a week straight now. There's no way to fix this terrible idea.
0: Here's the thing. If you're going to do a match like this, just add a sixth guy and make it an Elimination Chamber match. Yes, yes. Then you have, you know, obviously I'm a War Games slappy, but it feels like it's War Games-ish that it could be in a big cage. It, It feels like you need a spectacle to make this work. I
1: also just think that it's underrated just doing like an Elimination Gauntlet style match. You can think in your head right now of times that that's worked. Think about that Seth Rollins match that was on Raw that one time that went like 95 minutes. And it was just like awesome baller-ass match after awesome baller-ass match. The idea of like a a singles match Survivor Series style thing where like huge stakes, elimination style, goes for 45 minutes. That just sounds incredible to me. And they've never even thought about that
0: it's the gaunt- it's a gauntlet and the champion comes in at the end and yes it, w- it would work well here because hardy would survive and he would have to wrestle triple h at the end and triple h would be him and then like in the main event since punk got knocked out jericho could have replaced him wait a minute the last guy in.
1: hold on remember how we just accidentally invented the hardcore battle royal we just accidentally invaded the crew invented the cruiserweight invitational never mind <laughs> That's the exact Ugh. premise of the horrible crap ass. invitation. Yeah. Disastrous. <laughs> There's no fixing it guys. Just let it go.
0: All right. So that's a wrap on unforgiven 2008. A show for sickos. For sicko sickos. September
1: rolls on. Just like you.
0: You at home. These sick perverts. <laughs> Want to see a scramble match. We've got some real sicko shit next week. Night of Champions 2015, Sting's last ever WWE match, and what we thought was going to be his last ever wrestling match until he somehow healed his spinal stenosis and came back and is now like having the run of his life in AEW. This
1: show has such... As much as we said that this show had TNA vibes, The show we're about to cover, Night of Champions 2015, is an AEW show. It just is. Yeah. From, like, half the talent being in AEW now to a just feeling like an AEW concept from start to finish. Like, this just is one.
0: Yeah. Seth Rollins versus Sting is really just, like, the MJF versus Sting match we've never gotten.
1: Uh, a main eventer in the mid-card just mixing it up is just Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. That That's literally just what it is. Jericho looking at a hot act and just finding a way to horn his way <laughs> in on it.
0: Champion having to do double duty weird trios match with the really dark trio like the House of Black. Um yeah. Strong AEW energy here.
1: All day. We're gonna get to talk about one of the best uh United States title runs of all time, probably the best. Um the the beginning of Charlotte as a huge deal, and also one of the most rancid shit ass storylines in the history of professional wrestling.
0: So yeah, all that and more next time on the Lawcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.